Hello everybody, this is Noah and John, and we are from Urban Digs, and this is Talking Manhattan. And Johnny, we got Wendy Maitland here, CEO and founder of Atelier, okay? Mm -hmm. Private advisory and brokerage services. Um, I've known Wendy a long, long time. Wendy, you do a lot of work in the luxury sector, okay? Yes. People are confused. They don't know what's going on. So this is why you're here. So why don't you go ahead and tell us what's going on and then we'll, we'll get into the deep stuff. All right. Well, it's a pleasure to be with both of you, Noah and John. Thank you for having me once again. So the luxury sector, it's funny. I think it was almost exactly, guys, a year ago that we did our last podcast. Yeah. And I remember Noah bringing up you know, that virus. <laughs> Little did we know what was going to yeah. happen. Amazing. So obviously coming off of that year, um, it's been a, a rocky, painful, and very long road for many of us, most of us in different ways for different reasons. But the bottom line is that the pandemic did a number on uh, every sector, including New York City real estate and luxury real estate specifically. Um, so after people uh, really chose flight for uh, in large part in the luxury market, we are really coming back strong right now. Uh, the past three weeks has been stronger in the luxury sector than the same three weeks this time last year. So that's a very good indication of where we are. We have more signed contracts by double digits than we did in, in terms of number and also dollars than we did this time, not only in 2020, but also in 2019. So I think what we're seeing is pent up demand um, and townhomes have also experienced a boost for probably obvious reasons to most people, which is that they're singular, you're not sharing a lobby or um, door handles or common spaces with other people. Right. Uh, that doesn't mean the condominiums and co-ops aren't doing well. Co-ops actually are doing particularly well. And I think part of that is because the pricing um, became so depressed and we're really in a highly uh, undervalued a market and for the most part across the board still but yeah and I, yeah sorry no i was just gonna say that that i'm 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 reading donna olshan's report that comes out i mean she's like the queen of the luxury sector in terms I of the love data her. love her and i've been noticing that that the numbers have been kind of up steadily the last as you say three four weeks really has has felt yeah. like it's popped um he, here's what i want to know so now i think the the not the resale sector the non-luxury sector um, that market has been kind of recovering for about four or five months now. Yeah. It, are you telling me that that the luxury sector is only kind of beginning to show its its turnaround in the last three yeah. four weeks? In the last three or four weeks, that's absolutely on point, Noah. Okay. Um, the luxury sector, I think, is slower for a number of reasons. Um, one of which is obviously many of people in that market have second home options, people who might have been looking to upsize or make a transition within Manhattan uh, decided to put their kids in school at the Ross School in East Hampton, uh, for example, or do entirely remote learning, and they can work from home. So 
that really changes the dynamics, both logistically and psychologically for the luxury sector. However, they will move back eventually, and they have started to move back. It's interesting. So let me ask you this, Wendy. You know, you, you mentioned two main factors here. One sort of pent up demand, and the other sort of the prices have kind of hit that hit that limit to where people are like, "Wow, this is a this is a deal here." And I'm curious, when you look at the market right now, is it more would you say on the pent up demand side, or is it more like there are deals to be had side? It's both, John. It's a combination. I would say equally balanced. P, you know, anybody who was waiting for the bottom. Uh, they they need to be serious now, or they're going to be looking in the rearview mirror, and that's already the case for most retail segments in our market. At, sorry, resale, um, most middle market resale, that has picked up enormously, and as Noah referred to, a lot of inventory has been absorbed. The discounts are minimal. I think there is it. I think within five percent right now. And the luxury sector is right behind it. And, and in the luxury sector, for those who have the means and the, and the reasons to be picking up luxury product, the discounts are even better in terms of uh, dollars, obviously. And even- yeah, let's, 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 yeah. let's talk there because that's kind of, I mean, let's not beat around the bush here. That's what everybody wants to know as agents because you know, agents are representing these buyers of luxury or, or, or bidders, I should say, bidders of luxury product, not necessarily maybe come buyers. Um, where where would you say, like, what what's the level of insulting here? Like, I mean, let's just be real here. If I'm dealing with a $5 million, $6 million, $7 million product, let's kind of keep out the super luxury sector. Let's focus on like four to 10. Um, right. I, I know you can't do a broad stroke, but like if you had to give some type of guidance as to where these deals are being negotiated, what would you say? I hate to disappoint you, but I can't give guidance because, yeah. <laughs> because I know it, the reason being- I tried everybody. <laughs> the, the reason being that each case is so different. If you're going into a building that say just opened to start sales prior to the pandemic or even during the pandemic and they need to move product for various reasons to declare effective, they need a certain percentage in contract that's, you know, that's one case and you're going to do really well there and you're going to go in offering, you know, a 12 to 15% discount, maybe throw in a parking space and uh, maybe even a year of uh, common charges, uh, maybe transfer taxes. There's a lot you can do in certain new development, not every, but certain new right. development condominium buildings because their motivation is different and their needs are different, those, those sponsors of those properties. With individual properties, there are well, very well-priced properties that have already taken cuts or came on very close to the bone, and you're not gonna get a 10% discount at those properties. Notice I'm saying 10 yeah, and not 25, yeah. because you know there's a all there is so much misinformation, and people say, Well, I heard you know, one person gets a 22% discount and they'll say, I heard there's a 25% discount across the board. Right. No. It does not work that way. Yeah. No. So, so you really have to have a good broker yeah. to represent you and to find out relevant information, do their homework and research, strategize and come in uh, case by case, come in strong and uh, start a discussion that's gonna lead somewhere. 
So let me ask you this, then you know, if we flip it around and, and stop, stop looking at the buyer side for a second, but look at the sell side, how do you sort of handle that seller psychology? Not, not necessarily the new dev side of things, but in the resale, you're a seller, you've just gone through a market in which buyers were completely absent and now they've started to come back. How do you sort of stake your ground and, and realize that, okay, I'm not gonna negotiate at below a certain level because my price is my price. That's a really good question, John. You're full of them today. Well, uh, so are you, Noah, always. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that, you know, reality check, reality checking is always essential and it's still as essential, if not more so. The savvier the buyers get, the more transparency we have, which is just about total transparency now the more realistic that sellers have to be, but it's a matter of prioritizing. What are your priorities as a seller? Do you want, you know, there's time. Do you, do you want to do a swift transaction? There's money, obviously. And of course, most sellers will say they want time and money. They want to sell quickly at the highest potential price. And I don't blame them. So in order to do that, you have to price strategically, not at the top end of the range of what, the comps indicate that they bear out, but closer to the bottom of that range. And it's a very difficult concept for sellers to wrap their heads around because you know, they wanna get the most money. So they think if they price the highest, that that's gonna be what they get. And sometimes it works in the opposite direction. Pricing is strategic. It is the most important factor. And if you price, it, find the sweet spot with your agent or broker, you are going to do much better than pricing aggressively high, even in this market. And, and listen, this market is, is evolving all the time and the psychology of buyers is always evolving. Yeah. You know, you know, that's an excellent point. I mean, the market's gonna do what the market always does. And if you're gonna price it at the market, this is exactly the kind of market you wanna do it right when we have activity kind of peaking up. That's right. Yeah. And I will guarantee any seller who works with me, if we listed at the right price and obviously with beautiful creative marketing, you will not leave a penny on the table by pricing lower than the tippy top end of what the market is saying. In fact, there are still multiple bid situations on a desirable property that's priced right. You're not going to get multiple bids and drive momentum with a, a, an aggressively high price property. Yeah. Wendy, you, you, you ooze confidence when you speak and it's, you know, your, your experience comes through. Um, and you know, let's, let's talk about if you did not price properly for a moment. Let's, let's say you tried to price properly and you couldn't for whatever reason, and now you find yourself on the market for two or three months. There's a lot of agents listening to this. How would you tell them um, to approach the price reduction conversation with the seller? Um, and, and maybe when does that conversation even start um, start to come into reality? So that that's also an excellent question. And it's, you know, communicating with our sellers is, and doing so effectively is our um, most nimble tool that we have in our toolbox. And so many agents are not trained in, in, in facile with these conversations. And they're difficult because, you know, uh, dashing expectations is the worst feeling. It's yeah. not good for the seller and it feels terrible as an agent to 
have done that inadvertently or not. So number one, if you could go back to the day that you priced it, if you have any um, lack of confidence in your price at all, or any uncertainty about the, the you know solid direction that the market is heading in, um, I almost always include in my initial conversations with a seller, what happens if we're not getting traction in eight weeks? Um, and I say, like, at that point, we need to, you know, review the listing, review the marketing, review our target buyer, and review the price. And at that point, we need to have we need to agree now that at that point we will have a, a price adjustment discussion. And uh, so that's that's number one. But if you haven't done that, you know, it's simply a matter of, of doing your homework, doing fresh comps, analyzing them, uh, coming up with theses on why some things have moved and some things haven't moved and where does this property sit within that framework and um, be honest and straightforward and just, you know, sort of, you can feel your fear of the conversation, but you got to move through that and you'll feel much better on the other side. And uh, transparency is always the golden ticket. I mean, I think you, that's a masterclass in itself. If you can get that that down, I mean, you're, you're golden. Mm -hmm. But let me ask you this, because I think you, you sort of opened the door. I want to walk through it a little bit. You, you mentioned, you know, when you're talking with a seller might have to have a price cut, there might be something that their apartment doesn't have that something else does have. And then you also mentioned when you're preparing on the sell side, the prices, you're trying to understand, you know, the, the whole, you know, the beautiful marketing, things like that. And I'm curious, when you put those together, what, what sort of stories are you trying to tell now that buyers are, are listening to? What, are, there, are there things, are there trends that are sort of emerging now that, that were different than, say, a year or two years ago? Um, that's... An interesting question too. Yes, I mean, I think um, anytime that you're coming off of a period of re relative stagnation, buyers are looking for bargains, right? So that's number one. Not that they're not always, but they're more expecting bargains now. So that's something to navigate because while there are some bargains, as we've discussed, the market is highly segmented and even block by block, apartment by apartment things are different. So they're looking for bargains. They're looking for um, work from home options and uh, other physical configurations that allow for an entire family sometimes to function uh, as efficiently and effectively and happily without killing each other as possible in a small apartment often. Right. Um, even luxury apartments in New York City, that's a small space, a three, you know, luxury three bedroom apartment with two children compared to, you know, a house in the country with a rec room and an office and homework spaces and things like that. So for sure, they're looking for that. Um, I think, again, townhouses have become more interesting to people. Uh, I think boutique is uh, going to become more in vogue than these massive buildings that we have all over the city. Not that those will die, but I think boutique will have a special appeal just because of the psychology of everything around the pandemic, including not only physical safety, but community. I think people are really looking for a sense of community 
as we work and play and and um, and, and and raise our kids from home more than ever. And that's not stopping immediately. Mm-hmm. Maybe within the next nine months, I think it will it will evolve significantly. And probably a year from now, we'll be in a much different situation. But also, people have gotten used to the the advantages of of incorporating working from home and they're not going to want to give that up in terms of even if you go into the office to be able to take a friday or a monday and have it be absolutely normal the way that you work you know right really 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 interesting um wendy when you look back at the last i don't know um two to three months of the deals that you've actually done um are you are you finding it harder for the sellers to get them down or are you finding it harder for the buy side to get their bids up? Um, well, the good news is that I feel like in the last couple of months, those two uh, elements, buyers and sellers have come closer together and I've made some transactions on some really difficult uh, to trade properties. So I think, I think it's a combination, honestly. I think sellers uh, have definitely become more realistic uh, because they've seen the the devastation and how the market can actually swing by, you know, double digit percentages in terms of values mm-hmm. uh, very quickly. And I think buyers are um, have come to value their lifestyle and their needs outside of their financial needs a little bit more highly. Which is- really interesting. And John, we, we asked this a few times in the past, and um, it was always that the sellers were coming down more quickly and the buyers were just not really raising their bids. So it's really mm-hmm. refreshing to see that now we're starting to see a little bit of give and take on both sides of the bid-ask spectrum. And, and, and it seems like we're narrowing that spread um, yeah. and the market's finding itself. So Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I imagine that sellers, if you want to know what I'm thinking, where the market's going, you can you can figure that out by what I'm about to say, which is that I imagine sellers are about to get a little more difficult. <laughs> yeah, because uh, they see the market coming back and they're right. be less likely to give those discounts that were there six months ago, five months ago. Uh, this is why you gotta be ahead of the curve. We were telling everyone, buyers out there, buy, buy, buy right. um, in fall and in, and in the winter when the market started to turn around. Well, if you did, I think you, you did a great trade. So yeah, this is great. Wendy, Wendy, this is great. John, you got any final questions for her? No, I think that was fantastic. Thank you very much, Wendy. Thank you. Thank you Thank both. You. This was- Wendy Maitland, uh, that is John Walkup. I am Noah Rosenblatt. We are from Urban Digs. This has been Talking Manhattan, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks. <laughs>